G'day, it's Nick Samios here from, uh, I, I've just got some technical issues here, but it's worked. My little intro didn't work. I'm going to do the intro, just one second. G'day, welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, Lunch Money is your online and social media home for uh, special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. I am your uh, Lunch Money host. I'm also the fund manager here at Hermes Capital. Um, we've, we're improvising with technology this morning, so we will edit out that glitch that we just had. Um, I, we, were, we were doing these, these uh, podcasts weekly. We're now doing them monthly. And I found that um, we've had some really good guests um, this year. We had, we had uh, David Gandolfo uh, recently from um, uh, from Cosboa, and we've had uh, the the um, principal director uh, of the Australian Institute for Credit Management uh, recently as well. And today we are very fortunate that we have uh, Louise Brockman, who is the chair of the uh, advisory board centre. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce. Louise. G'day, Louise. How are you doing? Good, Nick. Good to see you. Very good. Very good. Uh, hopefully my, my little technical glitches are behind us. So, um, Louise, we were talking a little bit, well, we were talking a little bit about earlier, you know, our audience is uh, accountants and uh, lawyers and a lot of finance brokers and uh, restructuring professionals. Um, and on the subject of restructuring professionals, I was at a turnaround management association uh, soiree, uh, I don't know, two or three months ago, and uh, the guest speaker was yourself, and you were talking about advisory boards. And I've, I've I've heard of advisory boards, and I've you know I've had clients who've had advisory boards, and um, and I've seen them in particularly situations where businesses are growing, or or where where you've got um, where you've got the founder who's really good as an engineer, or really good at running being a running a, a fleet of trucks. Uh, but time has come where they need to level up their business. That's that's where I've seen a lot of it. Well, I've also seen them in startups. But um, tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me, tell me about yourself and about the advisory board centre. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, it's good to see that you had David Gondolfo on the program too. He's uh, he's, he's another one. Yeah, yeah, he's another certified chair, so he's he's part of our advisory board professional community. Um, but um, look, the advisory board centre first is the global professional body for the advisory board sector. So it's about raising the standard of advisory boards. So if you're going to put one together, um, it's impactful, it's safe from a governance perspective, but it's also safe from an individual practitioner point of view as well. So you need to know what, what you're doing. So our role is to globally uh, protect and, uh, and, and have best practice and ethical frameworks for advisory boards. So most would be aware of the Australian Institute of Company Directors, what they do for the governance board sector. We're their counterpart and we look after that in the advisory board space. Um, so we're six and a half years old. We, we're the only professional body in the world uh, that's really looking and caretaking uh, the, the advisory board sector um, in the market. So there's quite a story behind, I mean, which, yeah, behind the advisory board centre in itself. I mean, uh, so you say you've been going six and a half years, but you've already got global reach. Is that is that right? 
Yeah, we, we operate in over 25 countries now. Um, I just got back this week from um, delivering our, our best practice framework and, and programs in Singapore, London, New York and Los Angeles. So um, without any jet lag, um, it's uh, it, it's just been fantastic seeing the global response to advisory boards um, as it just continues to be used in so many new ways uh, because in some ways governance boards are so constrained, advisory boards are being used uh, more and more in the business sector, startup scale ups, um, in the, certainly in the mid market, but also in corporatized environments as well. I mean, it's fascinating that uh, that that what what you're providing isn't like you know you're, you're presenting in New York, so there's a there's a demand for this stuff. Uh, I mean, that's that's just amazing. It, it really is, and it's a real it's a real credit to you as well. Um, so I understand that in a former role, you had an advisory board yourself. You. I, you, you had a business, uh, a HR coaching business. Uh, that's and, right. And, yeah, and you had that for, what, about 12 years? So that's that's where you sort of came across the, the advisory board concept? Yeah, well, we, uh, we had a, a terrific business and we wanted to grow it um, globally. Um, and I wanted to make really confident decisions, um, uh, not only as a business owner, but as a CEO. And uh, I just felt that making ad hoc decisions was not good enough. So I decided to put together an advisory board to support me with my thinking. So I didn't go and change my mind. And so uh, that was in 2005. Um, and then from, from that, we grew that business to 135 offices in eight countries in that five-year period. Uh, so I was just very grateful, Nick, for what the advisory board had done for me personally as well as for the business. But uh, because I came from a research and development and intellectual property background, I decided to invest five years researching, testing, validating advisory boards in the market. And that's when we found there's no professional body looking after it. Um, and so that's where six and a half years ago, we we launched the model of being the professional body to caretake the sector. So has it gone from being sort of a... Um you know, something that's it's obviously a good idea, but there was no like form, formal structure around it uh, to something that you've, you know, you've identified a need. Uh, the other thing, interesting thing is, yeah, to, did you say 25 countries you expanded your business to? I mean, that's uh, remarkable. Yeah, yeah in, in this, in, in, currently we're in 25 countries, yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, but, but, but for your own business, so that you had someone on the advisory board who was able to, who had experience, you know, taking your business international or... Uh, uh, well, yes, one of them. So when you put together an advisory board, you want them all to be different um, yeah. uh, and different value. So I chose entrepreneurs that I deeply admired and respected uh, so that they weren't there actually to build the strategy. Um, and it wasn't because we had uh, capability uh, gaps. What we wanted to do is actually build our confidence in the decision making so we could road test our thinking, pull it apart um, for, for them to evaluate it and to really test my own thinking uh, so that uh, we became very deliberate in the way right. that we made those decisions. Um, so you're not in sort of a one-person echo chamber, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. And when you look at, you know, where advisory boards are today, the, the, the Reserve Bank of Australia just a few weeks back um, uh, with the with the latest report, the Monetary Policy Board is putting together an advisory board, so they don't have that echo chamber, they don't have that yeah. group, um, and they're bringing the outside in. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing new. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just demonstrates the the absolute power of critical thinking and independent thinking that sits around um, the the value of an advisory board. Now, now tell me, so, so you already mentioned that you know the way you you started off your advisory board. I mean, what's what's the difference between an informal advisory board and, and a formalised, you know, structured professional one that that uh, that your members get involved with? Yeah, it's it's a good it's 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 uh, important to to know the difference between that as well as the difference with the governance board at the other end. So I might I might look at that. So a governance board first is a decision making model and it's binding. It's binding on the individual directors where you can go to jail for the decisions that you make or not make. But it's also binding on the organisation to implement based on those decisions. Uh, so advisory boards in general are not a decision making model. They're a problem solving model. So it's not binding. So you've actually got safety in having this non-binding conversation that enables you to have the freedom to really explore uh, different different concepts without the, the 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 decision having to actually be made in that same forum um, advisory boards do take different shapes and forms um, and informal advisory boards is when generally you'll see traditionally that business owners will put together their own advisory board though they chair it themselves uh, they don't pay people they put on people that are friendly that they know uh, they may be their immediate um, uh, providers that are around them, uh, but they kind of fizzle out over time because it, there's just no formal structure around it. A formal best practice advisory board is when you have a charter, you have really clear parameters about what the advisory board is there to talk about, what it's not there to talk about. Um, and uh, the advisors are chosen fit for purpose. Generally, they meet four to six times a year and you measure impact on an annual basis. Um, when you get that level of clarity around what the advisory board is, it's deeply impactful because it is so focused. So, so I mentioned that uh, I met you at a Turnaround Management Association function. Mm -hmm. So obviously, uh, one of the times uh, an SME might engage an advisory board is when they're they're going through a rough patch and they really need someone to help them uh, save the business and, and, and get it back uh, on, on the right footing. I mean, what, what, what are the, what, you know, when, when, when are the sort of major uh, triggers for someone engaging an advisory board? Yeah, there, there are there are different different advisory boards for, for different reasons and and also different seasons. So, about twenty nine percent of the market is um, for emerging businesses when they are trying to get through the valley of death and they actually um, get them into being cash flow positive and 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 uh, to the next stage. Growing businesses is the largest um, uh, market for advisory boards. So 75% of businesses when they establish advisory board is because they want to grow, but they need to navigate how to grow. Um, but the businesses that are changing and actually focusing on a transition is a very tricky time. So when they're trying to evaluate what's next um, in their business is a very important stage for advisory boards. And we find certain businesses at different sizes, like $1.5 million in revenue turnover, $10 million, $30 million, $50 million, and $100 million. They have very common starting points by revenue because right. they're trying to think through what's our business model for what's next because it's going to be different. So it's almost like there's milestone uh, milestone levels of the business to, to some there extent are. is what you're saying. Yeah, when you've yeah. got to make that journey across the across the border. I mean, uh, we, we'll talk in, in a minute about, because uh, I know that you've just issued a report on the, the state of the market for, for advisory boards. But just before we dive into that, I mean, 
you know, I've, I've had friends, uh, I've got, I'm thinking of a, a law firm and, uh, and a finance, a large finance brokerage where they haven't had advisory boards, but they've, they've been part of networking groups, you know, the executive connection, this sort of thing where they, I don't know whether or not they're sort of informally cobbling something together or, or they're running a, um, you know, formal structure, as you're discussing. But, I mean, what, what are the best practices? I mean, what are the, what are the key principles for, for a successful advisory board? Yeah, so um, a, a lot of businesses that are in peer, that peer advisory boards like Tech, um, CEO Institute, all those those different groups, they'll have they'll be part of those groups, but then they'll also have their own individual advisory board for around all of their business or um, or uh, for a project in their business. Um, but the, the key principles is ensuring you've got clarity of scope, you've got structure and discipline, that you're measuring impact that advisory board members are independent, independent of the organisation, but also then independent of each other. And I think this whole value and values of independence um, and ethics that sit around that is going to increasingly become important. Um, and then you've got good for purpose, so making sure that those advisors are the right people around that table to have that right conversation. Um, so they are the key principles of, of, of putting an advisory board together. It, it's not about adding more complexity actually the simpler the model the better but it's about being rigorous in the way that you think about the the constructs um, of how it's going to work i mean when, when um there must be cases where advisory boards have gone wrong i mean what what are the what what's the main thing when someone says to you look we, we did this and it just didn't work out what are the main uh the, the, you know the main uh, suspects or the main you know, the main causes that you yeah, find it, the, the the interesting thing around turnaround situations, Nick, is that the timing of an advisory board is really important. So if the business is going through a cash flow crisis, as an example, uh, they need to resolve that first. An advisory board is more of a longer term play normally, um, or it's a project advisory board specifically for a need like a business managing an exit will generally have an advisory board for 18 months to maximise the asset value for that exit. Um, and so advisory boards have been bought in too late when there's already a cash flow issue or cash flow crisis is the biggest constraint around advisory boards is when there's a crisis. Um, well, well, turnaround management, yeah, turnaround management 101, the thing that everybody laments is, uh, you know, you should have got me involved 12 months ago, six months ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's no good the yeah, I mean, otherwise you're turning up after the accidents happened and, you exactly. know, it's, it's, it's too late. So it sounds like, and I guess this is one of the things that Safe Harbour was designed to try and get people to, to um, you know, try and do something about their problems. You don't have to sort of show your dirty laundry to the whole world. Uh, and, I, and I guess so, so advisory boards, like anything else, you're encouraging people to, to, to do it sooner rather than later. So tell me, you, you've done this uh, state of the market report. You've got a few slides for us. Do you, want to, uh, do you want to step us through that? Let me bring those up for you. I'll just do some of the highlights, um, Nick, yeah. and and I might might just ask some questions of you along the way as well, because sure. I'd be very interested in your perspective as well. Um, so this report we produce every two years, um, and we just released it about six weeks ago. There's a lot of different data points that we have in the way that we collect the data, um, and uh, what what are the, some of the key triggers is that. Um, our last market report, which was released in 2021, had been, uh, has been referenced by both Corn Ferry and Financial Times as being the hot new governance trend 
in um, uh, in the market, uh, being advisory boards. I'm not sure if it is, but if they say that, I'm gonna I'm gonna take ownership of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the the market is shifting in the advisory boards, and when we're looking at directors themselves, they generally have a lot of concerns. I'm interested in in your views, Nick, about what you see. What what are, what are some of the biggest concerns for directors at the moment? Uh, look, I, I deal in a specific space, I suppose. So, you know, we, we tend to do a lot in the, you know, where there is turnaround and, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, they're, they're all in on the business and they're worried about their own personal risk. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, that's the main thing that I see them concerned about. Mm. Uh, what am I concerned about for them sometimes is I, 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 I see a business and, you know, we're providing funding and we're only providing funding. We're not advisors. We're just the guys that, put the money in um but you see them yeah you know that you, you're only you know you've, you've grown the business and my friend of mine has a saying tradey done good you know you've, you've you've gone from being one person with a ute now you uh now you've grown the business to this size and do you really have the skills and sometimes you see the the um the strain on the staff and the strain on the accountant and uh yeah so that's that's that, that's the, what i see it's really it, it is really tricky. Um, and look, when you look at the advisory board sector, um, it goes from startups to scale ups, the mid market uh, to to organisations. But when you've got business owners who are who are directors and owners, they do they they've got a, a, a you know incredible pressure um, to not only operate the business but also to manage their own responsibility as a director. And the problem with directorship at the moment is that it's what we call the governance dilemma, is that um, they, there's increased constraint for directors um, and the agenda is just getting bigger. There's so many more things you've got to consider as a director and it's just not sustainable when we look at, at, um, at um, board directors as well as owner directors. How do you cover off on everything? So what do you do? Bring on extra directors, uh, bring on extra managers, have longer meetings, just wing it. Um, yeah. or, uh, or or bring in an advisory board that creates this thinking system to put quality thinking in before decisions are being made. And this is kind of where, where the, this is a new trigger in the market today. The, the, other, and the, the other part of that is that what's happening then is that we're just not talking about governance boards anymore. We're talking about governance systems. So advisory boards actually have a new role to play beyond their traditional role is to supporting directors making more effective and confident decisions. So directors don't go to jail because of the uh, decision they made as being good or bad. They go to jail because they haven't shown good due process in the way the decision is made. And this is where advisory boards create this thinking system and, and problem solving before decisions are made. And I think this is a really important shift in the market that's happening right now. Um, and it's also giving greater flexibility into how advisory boards operate, where advisory boards, as you mentioned earlier, start from informal uh, peer advisory boards like tech, um, the different kind of, uh, those kind of advisory groups. But then uh, businesses, when they say, look, I, I want to start building an advisory board, but I, I can't just go from nothing to best practice overnight. And so they're building advisory boards from starting from it being an advisory board of one and building it up into pop-up advisory boards and project advisory boards and then growing into their advisory board structure over time. And I think this is a really practical approach particularly where the business market, that $1.5 to $100 million turnover businesses, are really using advisory boards in a very practical 
practical way. And when we look at that mid-market, the average size of a business starting an advisory board is their revenue turnover is between one to $1.5 million in revenue, which you might consider that's pretty small. And I think that's a great sign that businesses are starting their advisory board structures early on and growing up with, with getting quality advice, with the average size of a business being $20 million. Can I ask you a question? So one of the problems that you face with small business uh, where you, you know they need help and they, they need an advisor of some description, you know, maybe they need they need a consultant. You can, I can identify, look, you need a consultant or, or for that matter, you need an advisory board. But when they're at that one and a half million turnover, it might be different when they're 20 or 30 or 40. But when they're at that small level, the first thing they say is, look, I just can't afford it. Now, of course, the natural response to that is, well, you can't afford not to. Um, but what what is what what are some of the costs that a small business at that one to one and a half level might might face? In, in <clears throat> yeah, so it depends on what structure it is that they want to put in place. But most advisory board professionals will charge between two to three and a half thousand dollars for half a day. And generally, a chair will work for half a day a month for up to three years. So the investment could be around forty thousand dollars to seventy thousand dollars in their first year, which yeah. is cheaper than an administrator. And so you think yeah. about get this right get the right people talking about the right things with you like it's it's a it, it's got to be seen as an investment um yeah. i've or i've uh, since my first advisory board i've always had one even pre-revenue i've had an advisory board to make sure that that i am thinking bigger uh than myself which is why it, it is it is so valuable but it's got to be seen as an investment nick i think yeah. Yeah. Um, not just as an operating expense uh, yeah. But most businesses will have an independent chair and two external advisors, so that way you've got the power of three, uh, which yeah. we know that creates optimal decision making when you've got right. three, three, three people on the advisory board at that three level. independent sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But they might start with their chair first as an advisory board of one, then yeah. bring in advisors as they need them, and then build it up over time. There's many, many ways to do it that, that can really yeah. fit fit the, the the season that the business is going through at that time all right well let's keep moving through your um your the the, the state of the market because i'm just jotting down some questions to ask you yeah. about later uh, yeah 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 so, so from a practical point of view where the market is now is project advisory boards so 53 percent of advisory boards and new advisory boards today are project advisory boards um which means that it's really really practical so it's not about the strategy, it's more about a strategy. Uh, so it may be around an advisory board to enter a new market, commercialisation of a new idea, sustainability, evaluating the supply chain, customer advisory boards. It's just such a smart strategy to co-create your product and your service with the customer. This is where the market is right now. And I think this is the most um, uh, commercially smart uh, um, information that we've got about what's going on in the market about advisory boards, and I'm very excited to see that advisory boards are actually being used in that way. Just before you go off that slide, um, yeah. you've got you you know uh, there's so so with these project advisory boards, there's a start point and an end point. Yeah, uh, and there's a very clear start point and an end point. I suppose. Yeah, it could be ninety um, days. Yeah, it could be ninety days. I mean, I always make make a joke about. Um, you know, breaking up with your physio, um, you know, because you go to the physio and you know that you've got something, but of course, uh, at some point they, they want you to keep coming back. Um, yeah. So it's it's good to have that predefined input. So I guess, the, the, but, but with these with these project advisory boards, yeah, there's a beginning and an end. Yeah, 
job is done, dis yeah. dismantle it. it it's yeah. not a fixed structure and yeah. you don't want to put that kind of constraint on it anyway. Um, yeah. But even, even for an all of business advisory board that's ongoing, you want to evaluate it every year to see is it actually providing value given return on investment and are those advisors still the right advisors for us for what we've got to do next? Um, and so everyone that sits on an advisory board needs to understand they have a use-by date. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, if you still need the same advisors three years after you, you set one up, I think that's a problem. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But when we look at where businesses are focusing um, in the next 18 months, Nick, I'm interested in your views. Where, where do you see businesses focusing on in the current market? Look, yeah, you know, firstly, all of my predictions are wrong. So <laughs> that, that's the first thing you got to take. I think the big, the big two challenges, I, I reckon, from the top of my head is, yeah, it's, it's, is economic, obviously. You know, where is the economy going? It's the, the, the indicators right now are pretty strong. Um, you know, the unemployment's low, and uh, and there's there's plenty of growth. Uh, on the other hand, interest rates are going up. You mentioned the Reserve Bank of Australia before. I mean, you know, they've made some. Uh, they've made some very bad predictions, you know, that's for sure, you know, to say that rates won't go. So, so there's, there, there's that. And the other thing is that, you know, maybe you're a bit smarter than I am, but this time last year I knew absolutely nothing about AI and, uh, you know, now it's kind of entered the lexicon. So I, I think that, uh, A, technology just moving so fast as it is and just economic uncertainty, I think mm. they're, the, they're, they're, they're the big things. Yeah, yeah. So when we when we're uh, looking at the data about when businesses have an advisory board, generally you're getting businesses viewing the same things as an opportunity as other businesses are viewing it as a challenge. Uh, right. So it's all around how do we tra transition to what's next? How do we ma manage our people? And what's our governance and structure moving forward? Uh, they are the three big ticket items that that advisory boards are focusing on right now. Um, and when we look at what that actually means from uh, when we cluster that information, it's about the, from an opportunity lens, how do, how do organisations and businesses actually embrace change? So how Can I ask you, you, you mentioned that word governance before, and yeah. maybe that sort of ties into this as well. I mean, what do you mean by governance? Because governance to me, it, it, it can mean obviously that, you know, the decision making processes and the the uh you know the governance as we would traditionally know it and, and then there's governance in terms of uh, it's almost compliance you know complying with uh um with with, with a whole bunch of uh, societal values to some extent as, as well yeah. you know this esg yeah. and, and what have you so what do you mean by governance yeah it embraces all of those things nick but i think governance is is more complex now because when we're dealing with um, increased constraint, but then also the market expectations of what we call the stakeholder economy. Um, and so making decisions in a bubble is probably not where the market is going in the future. And I think where we talk about advisory boards being the hot new governance trend in 2025, I think the market will be talking about advisory boards being the next leadership trend. For leaders making decisions without stakeholder engagement, I think the way that we manage business, we we will need to demonstrate and and ensure that we are thinking bigger about the way that we're making decisions. Well, um, you, you just said the stakeholder economy. So, what what yeah. is the what does that mean? 
So we're looking at, you know, the way that we manage expectations of different stakeholders and, and every organisation has stakeholders. It could be employees, uh, could be investment, uh, could be your suppliers, could be your clients, it could be the, 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 the market um, at large. Certainly customers is one of the biggest um, areas. And so any business that has a vulnerable customer, I think has um, a, a real opportunity to really embrace um, and support their customer in their business. So you look at the aged care industry as an example. I'm not sure if you're doing any work in that market, Nick, but, um, you know, the aged care sector have now been regulated that they have to have advisory boards to listen to their customer. They're called customer advisory boards. By the 1st of December, they need to comply with this new regulation. It's the first time in Australia that advisory boards are being regulated um, in, wow. in particular sector this wow. is game changing so we can't ignore it if any mm. if any business in australia that's doing business in europe they need to be able to not only have quality reporting around sustainability but they need to also back it up in the way that they operate around sustainability so, so, so what you're saying is it's it's, it's there's, there's there's a need obviously to for helping the business transition and make good decisions and and operate and work as a business but to some extent, there's also a protection factor as well to make sure that you're complying, as you said, with these uh, you know customer imperatives. But to use that term, the stakeholder economy, so that is something has something shifted. That that, that I mean, have we always had a stakeholder economy, or is this now is this is this something new? Well, it, it's certainly a term that that um, uh, that I've really seen. It's it's a term that that, that I, I used in the state of the market report um, that we see advisory boards being used in the market everywhere. So the market for advisory boards now is wide and it's deep. So it's no longer about an argument about saying should I have an advisory board? Is how am I maximising the value of my advisory board for my business? And when we're looking at social, political, the whole pestle model, technology, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah. AI, yeah. no one is an expert anymore. And so two weeks ago, I had a meeting with a hydrogen specialist for a private equity group in London, and he was he was employed as the specialist in hydrogen. He says, I needed an advisory board because even though I'm a specialist in hydrogen, I can't call myself an expert anymore because everything is moving too fast. And so for me to, to inform the, the investment strategies that we're doing just based on my experience, that's just that's just uh, potentially reckless. Um, and so having different thinking and diff uh, that sits around it will just help to um, have confidence in the final decision that's being made. Uh, but it also for individuals protecting, and it's terrible, it's not just about accountability, um, um, uh, um, uh, system accountability, but it's also about impact accountability as well. Mm. Um, so it, it has to go beyond process and it needs to be effective in the way that we do engage with the market, whoever the stakeholder is. Okay. Have you got more, more slides? Or? Uh, yes. So let me just quickly have a look. Um, the advisory board sector itself is, this is not a fad. So the yeah. advisory board sector has actually grown over 50% since 2019 and just 20%. You, you must really be in demand. Yeah, I mean, you must be getting phone calls in the middle of the night and all sorts. I would have <laughs> yeah, the days are long, Nick, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it, it's a global thing. And, and mm -hmm. advisory boards, certainly from an Australia point of view, 
if we're looking at global global trends, the uh, the Asian market has doubled in their usage of advisory boards in the last two years, and the Middle East is now two percent of the market, which is probably still a small number, but it yeah. wasn't represented at all two years ago. So it's um, there's there's a there's a need there's a need for this. Um, sorry, and we talked about best practice already, yeah. so I, I guess yeah. that's that's the end of end of. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, look. Uh, I just a couple of things. Then it, it is. I was talking to Daniela, who was uh, one of our guests a couple of uh, episodes ago, and and we were talking about. You know, she was she was just talking about her own career, um, and she was saying, oh, she was thinking of doing the AICD, and I said, oh, look, you know, you, you make sure you tune in today. So I hope Daniela's watching today. Um, because uh, I, I said to her, I just I said to her, look, I think that the this um, advisory board thing is a little bit more hands-on in terms of a little bit more down-to-earth, et cetera. But is there a career in being a, an advisory board member? Like people join the AICD and they do, and I don't I don't want to set up any tension or uh, between the two bodies, but but the the um, you know they they sort of see themselves uh, as they get a few grey hairs as maybe having a career as a director. Is there is you know being an advisory board chair or advisory board member a, a career? Uh, absolutely, um, uh, but most people when they look at their career on boards, so we'll just talk about boards in general. Um, yeah. We'll generally have five to six gigs on at any given time. That's when when you're doing it full time. That that's what they do, and and it's not a thing about either or. It can be and. It's about understanding what is my risk profile. Um, and really making very careful decisions because if you're going to sit on the governance board, you've got everything on the line. So you want to make sure you do your due diligence um, out on that. doesn't mean that you don't do your due diligence on an advisory board, but it's different. Governance boards are there to make decisions um, and it's a serious undertaking and absolutely rightly so. An advisory board is a problem-solving model, so it's a different conversation. It's a different construct. So if you're wanting to be involved in conversations about what are the decisions that we need to make about the future? What are our, what are the options? How do we make it safe to think differently, to have diversity, not in diversity with regards to gender, but diversity in the conversation? And so if we're going to make different decisions, we have to have a safe ground to be able to have those kinds of conversations. Advisory boards is, is the ideal space for anyone that wants to contrib contribute to a different future. And I think everyone wants to be a positive impact on, on that. That's where advisory boards are adding value. And you obviously have a certification program. So uh, I think I can't remember the terminology now. Is it a certified chair or a... Yeah, the, the certified yeah. chair executive program. And there's a credential yeah. and there's a, yeah. yes. a unique identification number as well that you have. And so it's all about raising the standard of advisory boards because you're thinking about if you're going to do it, do it well, make sure it's mm -hmm. impactful, make sure it's safe. Not only safe for the organisation, but also safe for you professionally. If you are, and we carefully select, it's by by invitation only. We select less than ten percent of those that apply, and then they do the credential. Um, right. You have worked so hard. All of us have worked so hard to build our knowledge and expertise. If you're going to sit on advisory boards, don't wing it. Uh, yeah. Do it well. Make sure that you've got their best practice in place. So mm. it's something that you're really proud of, but also something that is safe from a risk management perspective for the organisation, but then mm. also for yourself, especially when you're dealing with advisory boards within ecosystems of governance, supporting business owners who are making different decisions about the future, which is challenging, but also these advisory boards in large organisations. All of this matters. 
And so, what what do you think the future? What do you think the future is for advisory boards? Just it, 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 it sounds like their their remit has is expanding for it to, to, to some extent. Um, mm. I guess you're saying that uh, you know you mentioned uh, the healthcare sector or the aged care sector, where they're almost well, advisory boards are effectively being mandated, is what you're saying. Um, and that's a formal mandate. I mean, I, I just wonder if, to some extent, there's also, you know, informal mandates as well in, in terms of best practice. And yeah, yeah. So I, I think um, it, when we're looking at regulations, um, I hope overall that the advisory board sector is not regulated for advisory boards in the way that governance boards are, because its flexibility is its strength. But there are going to be certain markets where advisory boards are going to be really important in their role around the vulnerable customer, like aged care. So probably disability services will be the next one, um, uh, childcare, education, banking sector, the energy sector, anywhere where there's a vulnerable customer, advisory boards have got this new role to play. Um, but just broadly, um, I think, every organisation, both at a board level as well as executives, we need to be thinking about how are we making decisions and how well informed are we? Are we making decisions in a bubble? Are, are we? Do we have a mechanism to bring the outside in? Um, and this is where the market, I think, is absolutely going long term. With, with, with you know, my day job, uh, you know, I'm involved in capital raising. So, you know, debt capital raising and, uh, and as, you know, they're usually, well, exclusively transitional situations, whether it's a turnaround, uh, a merger and acquisition. Uh, how do I, and, and I've said to you before, I identify, I can see, look, they've built a great business, but, you know, they're, they're run out of, uh, they're run out of skills, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're fighting with bows and arrows and the enemy's got machine guns and they need to, they need to level up. How, how do I introduce the subject? I mean, what, what's the conversation that I should be having with those, with those business owners and directors? Well, uh, firstly, um, uh, Nick, we've got a we've got a, a service called the Advisor Concierge, and it's free. So when a business doesn't know what they need or who they need, they can come to us. We provide a free service with regards to evaluating what their priorities are, what are the different advisory structures that might be relevant to them, and if they go ahead, then they can connect into the advisory board um, community, the professional community. Um, and then select their advisory board members. That's a totally free service. We don't take percentage fees, rebates, or any kickbacks out of any of those arrangements. So, that so, so what, just just to just briefly step me through that. I pick up the phone. Yep, we set up a meeting. Yep. So, um, yeah. you, can, right. you can sit in on that meeting if you like as the service yeah, yeah, provider. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Or you can just say you look after them um, yeah. and then we help them evaluate what their priorities are and what are the different options that they have with regards to their advisory structure that could yeah. work for them to be able to address what they're trying yeah. to do. So um, it's like, look, you should reach out to, uh, you know, the advisory board concierge. They'll, they'll have a chat to you over the phone. They'll ask to get together with you. Um, yep. You know, I'll come along if you want someone to hold your hand. But but yep. uh, and then then they'll tell you what the possibilities are and what you know the suitability of an advisory board and what it might be able to help you step through, etc. Yeah, or Over not. You. Yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. An advisory board may not be right for them, so that that's yeah. where it's really important to have that that I guess buffer zone before they start going out to talking with people actually getting clarity around what are our expectations in the first place. Invest time in that to get that right before you start actually connecting in with people. Well, now the the, uh, the next question that I have, 
uh, is uh, you know someone you know might be a finance broker or an accountant or, or whoever says to me, listen, I've um, I've been asked to join this advisory board. You know what what should I do? Yeah, get them to come and talk to us and make sure that if they sit on that advisory board, they get credentialed. Uh, right, they, right, you, right. they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what and, and I guess the same thing might be where they say, look, I've got a, you know I've got a client or whatever, and they don't have an advisory board. They just ask me to, to 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 start one up or to help them. Same thing again, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Um, so our chair certification um, provides uh, profession professionals with best practice frameworks on how to establish an advisory board. Generally, it takes three months to establish an advisory board. There's a lot that goes into it to make sure you've got the right the right uh, purpose, the right process, and then finally the right people. Normally, when people think about an advisory board, they go straight to who am I going to get on that advisory board. There's a lot of thinking around the the, the purpose and the structure first. And then, then, then the, they're getting the right voices around the table is the third piece. Now, I'll just ask you one more question uh, and uh, just one moment here. I've just realised, again, I, I think I said to you that I've, you know that my computer died literally maybe 20 minutes before we were going to go live. So I see that uh, I'm just having a look to see if we've got... Uh, some questions here. Andy Way, let's see what Andy says. Andy Way says, advisory boards need regulation or they operate with authority without responsibility. What do you say to that? Well, uh, it, you know, the, the the regulation that's happening in the um, in the aged care sector, it's really interesting saying mandating you have to have an advisory board. There's actually no, uh, there, there's, there's no guidance on the how-to. Um, and this is where self-regulation is the role, Andrew, that we've had to take because there is there is there there isn't anything that it, that that's existed un, until we've done that. So this self-regulation around uh, process accountability and impact accountability, I think it's really important. So this 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 role that we take on now for for self-regulation, you're right. It, it's really important that this sector, as it continues to grow, that it it does it well. Uh, we're getting a lot of people entering the advisory board space that do not know what they're doing, and I think that's problematic. It's a great opportunity that the sector's growing, yeah. but it's so problematic. Now that's that's very interesting. It's a great uh, great uh, observation, Andrew. Thank you very much. Um, it's interesting because if, you know, we mentioned David Gandolfo before. I mean, David uh, wears many hats, but one of his hats, uh, I think, he's now with advisory capacity to the Commercial Asset Finance Brokers Association. But one of the things that David's uh, and, and the other good folk at CAFPA uh, have always been concerned about is getting ahead of the regulation curve, if you like, to, to be able to demonstrate, listen, we're self-regulating, you know, we're a professional body, we're making sure that, you know, certain standards are being met and therefore, government, you don't need to come in and tread on us um, because we're doing this ourselves. So I guess there's an element of that as well. Too. That's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's right, and and it was a great great point with with David and, and don't like talking about someone who's not here, uh, yeah. but but you know he's a very important part of our best practice advisory board community. Um, he he came and spoke with me at our at our summit of, uh, two months ago about the role of advisory boards with while they work with governance boards, and it needs to be very carefully considered um, and um, and mapped out to make sure it is effective. Right. And the last thing I was going to ask you, and I know you haven't answered this question because I've heard you answer it before, 
But, uh, you know, I think you had mentioned something like 2000 to $3,500 for half a day or something. And, uh, you know, that's nice. I'll be able to take my wife out to a very nice dinner for that kind of money, maybe somewhere interstate, who knows. But it's not going to compensate me for when I lose my house for being a shadow director. Um, so I know that you have, there. You, you do have a, uh, you know, it's a protection mechanism so that I can join an advisory board without necessarily risking house and home. Yeah, so everyone needs to be be mindful of their own behaviour, right? We can't save people from themselves. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, but advisory boards, certainly when they're, they're not decision makers, is really important. So there are certain things that, that really need to be considered to ensure that you don't move into that space of being a shadow director about having a very clear charter, having a chair that absolutely knows what they're doing, um, to have very um, um, uh, carefully considered minutes uh, to demonstrate that they're not actually in a decision-making um, cycle, uh, to ensure that, you know, things, simple things that, that seem like it's an obvious uh, thing to do that I'm sure I can sit on an advisory board and be a consultant at the same time. As soon as you start taking on multiple roles, your risk profile starts to change. Yeah. Um, and so the, the closer you are, the deeper you become, the more uh, the more problematic it becomes, especially when you take on a role of being maybe an advisory board member and an investor and you're meeting 10 times a year, you'd be hard pressed to say I'm not actually part of a decision making yeah. cycle. But you do uh, you do help your members with guardrails, uh, yeah, if you absolutely. Like, uh, around all that. Yeah. Louise, it's been wonderful. Thank you very much. There you go. We've gone for forty five minutes, and I'm sure we could go for another forty five minutes. I think it's a fascinating area, and as I say, a lot of our uh, audience, as has been proven. I mean, it, it was funny. I I'm, uh, I got an SMS from David going, "Oh, Louise, you know, I was just uh, on a panel." You know, so, <laughs> so it, um, it's it's like one of those things. Once you hear the term, all of a sudden they're everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think it's important that uh, that people providing advice, whether it be financial or legal or accounting, to small businesses um, are right across this advisory board space. So uh, thank you very much for um, for speaking with us. Uh, we're going to put some links in all the socials when we promote the clips and what have you. So if you're watching this in two weeks' time, just have a look and you'll find a link uh, to the advisory board centre. And um, it's, it's great. Thank you very much, Louise. We'll wrap it up. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. And uh, thanks to our audience for listening and watching. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. And uh, if you're on Apple, give us give us a five-star rating. That'd be nice. Take it easy. Cheers. <laughs> Bye.